Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to episode number 103 of oh my God. This Week in Marvel, the official podcast of all things news, comics, what? toys, video games, Marvel, Marvel, Marvel! I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's H&M, who is really tired at the end of the day after a long week or two. Joined by... Marvel.com editor Ben Morris. What is that mug filled with? That is not water that you're running on right now. You can hear it through our high-quality microphones and the slurping of Ryan. Well, it feels like it was only hours ago that we did episode number 102, and here we are at episode number 103 of the official Marvel podcast. Back and better than ever. We are excited to get you guys another episode this week. Uh, it's it's going to be a humdinger. Yep. Uh, we yeah, are going to we're going to go through all the comics this week. Yep. Print digital collection single issue we're going to touch on some stuff from stromy's corner of the world which is movies tv games dark corner yes we're going to go through news lots of news and then we're going to get to your questions and comments about our this week in marvel unlimited reading club selection of mutant genesis starring the x-men yeah really excited about that one but as always we begin with comics on sale this week let's cast our eyes Backward yonder to yesterday when new comics came out. What ho! Indeed. We begin with A plus X, number 13. A little bit of a change for our venerable team up book. Uh, we now have still two stories, but the lead story is part one of a six part story written by our good friend Jerry Duggan, art by David Yardine, uh, teaming up Cyclops and Captain America, who, if you've been reading Marvel for the last little bit, do not care for one another. But what I really love in this story is that we just, a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or on the Infinity podcast, got a question saying, hey, whatever happened to Cadre K, the group of scrolls who worked with Professor X? So this was around the time of the 12? Or before yeah. the 12? It was right before the 12. Yeah. Uh, Professor X went off into space for a second and mentored a bunch of scrolls who were also mutants. And the answer either me or you or Tom Brevard gave was, it is unlikely we will ever see them anytime soon, showing that we did not consult with A-plus X editor Nick Lowe, because here they are. We never consult with Nick Lowe. <laughs> here they are. Cadre K is back on Earth, and they are pissed because Professor X got murdered. So a scroll, a friendly scroll, who is looking to prevent damage from coming to Earth, summons Captain America and Cyclops, because, like, who's better to deal with this problem than the leader of the Avengers and Professor X's pride student? Uh, this guy has not been reading AVX or any of that stuff. Does not realize that Cyclops murderized Professor X. Um, I love that he teleports them there. Captain America is sitting, because he was just on his motorcycle, and Cyclops is grilling with a meat is murder apron. Oh, on. my God, it's so good. So before, Did you say... Did you say... Di yeah, what? good. No, good. Keep going. Before uh, this scroll even has a chance to really explain what's going on, Cyclops and Captain America start fighting. It's really funny. It's really great. I love seeing David Yardin's art on the inside rather than the cover. That's cool. And they almost crash this guy's spaceship. And then... And the, the guy... But, the scroll is one of my favorite characters because he he's just like, I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah, These like, guys are nuts. What am I doing? I should not be helping people. Yeah. Oh, I mean... Tons of wrong decisions. So yeah, he needs them to get. We don't. Th th this is great. I love that it's part one of six in an anthology story. So it's really like you know you get half a, half the first chapter of the story almost. And Captain America and Cyclops, great mismatch duo. 
who knows what's going to happen to these jerks. Um, then in the second story, written and drawn by Howard Chaikin, it's a story about Emma Frost contacting Black Widow to help her track down a dude who is making uh, money off an adult video she did years ago. It's a sex tape. Call it what it is. I'm trying. She has a sex I'm tape. trying to be classy. Um, but what I love about this is if you were to say, what characters should Howard Chaikin write and draw? Black Widow and White Queen are pretty much right up there. And what should the story be about? Them tracking down a sex tape. And it doesn't disappoint. It's really funny. Uh, Maria Hill's in it. Emma Frost gets some just bitchy remarks in. It's delightful. And then this poor schlub who is selling these tapes. I love what happens to him. This is just a fun issue. Both stories are really fun. This is ridiculous. I liked it. Yeah. Over to Avengers number 21, the next big moment for Infinity. Uh, so the, in, the end of Infinity number 4, a lot of uh, important stuff happened for our Avengers, for all the, uh, the heroes who are fighting against the Builders and the Alephs. Here is like right where that picks off, a big moment, a big change on Hala, some stuff that's going on. Hala. Uh, Hala, and then the, the United Forces make their move. They go on the attack. And, spoiler alert, it doesn't always end well for them. It's some really intense, big stuff here. Like, the war does not seem to be the going their way, so to speak. So, they do what any logical person would do. And they open the portal to the negative zone and let Annihilus' Annihilation Wave come out. Because that will always be the right decision. Right. I love the... In an issue of Infinity recently, or the last issue of Avengers... um, Annihilus suggested this option, and Gladiator was quickly like, well, that sounds terrible, yeah. and now that's that's where they are. Yes, but, 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 <laughs> the Builders are sort of like the people who made a lot of stuff, so they're a little bit smarter than you think. That's exactly what they are. Uh, kind of. Yeah. And, again, things don't go as they plan, but on the flip side, we get uh, Captain Universe... Mm-hmm. Awakens the mother and the mo, and you just get to see some craziness between her and a bunch of remaining builders. There's this really ominous, terrifying line by one builder who's all gross and messed up. They're all gross and messed up. I know, up. but and then the Alephs, their directive has changed. Yeah, they are on a path of destruction. Things are about to get nasty. Nasty. Oh, it's me again. Avengers Assemble, number 20, an Infinity tie-in. I really dug this one. It's by Al Ewing and Pepe Larraz. I've been wondering, what are the Uncanny Avengers? What have they been up to during Infinity? Yeah, so you get that squad. We're really just Wasp, Wonder Man, and Scarlet Witch. The Avengers, half of the Uncanny Avengers. Yeah, it's great, because you got... Wonder Man is like sticking to his pacifist guns. Oh man! He uh, there's a great use of his powers in this. Yeah. I really dug that. There's a gigantic naked man. Always in good. this. Always good. Uh, and this really centers around the birth of a new Inhuman. Yeah. Um, and which I think is. I hope we see more of this new Inhuman. We're gonna. Yeah, I hope we see more of, of the new Inhuman. But I'm looking forward to seeing more of these stories. Yeah. You know these types of things where we get characters introduced to can do crazy things and their powers are all weird and how that affects their lives, their world, everything around them. So many cool things. We get the return of a character who was introduced in Brian oh, yeah. Michael Bendis' Avengers run. 
Uh, there's a great end to that character in this <laughs> issue. Uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff. And it, it ends on a happy note, which yeah. is really rather sweet amidst kind of, all the other Infinity yeah, it's, stuff. It's kind of a contrast to all the stuff we talked about last week. Yeah, last you know, episode. like the Captain Americas yeah. and the Deadpools of the world. Exactly. Over in Cable and X-Force number 15, written by Dennis Hopeless, art by Gerardo Sandoval. Uh, after everything was squared away with the Uncanny Avengers, X-Force and Cable are now kind of clear to operate on their own, trying to prevent this horrible future that Cable and now Hope have seen. So you got Forge kind of directing things from base camp, sending various pairs out on missions. Dr. Nemesis and Boom Boom are working on some stuff on the base. Uh, Domino and Colossus are out handling a Sentinel and also, um, you know, handling each other. And then Cable, <laughs> Cable and Hope are going up against the Reavers. Everything seems to be going well until suddenly Forge kind of blinks out and then all the missions simultaneously go not so well. Well, it turns out an old X-Men enemy has returned. I will not reveal their identity here, but they're a big one. You may not know them because they've made very few appearances because they're such a big enemy that you can only bust them out once every couple decades, literally. But this book continues to be a nice mix of action with some really nice snarky lines from the likes of Forge and Nemesis. Uh, Cable and Hope have a great dynamic. Colossus and Domino, I told Dennis Hopeless this, but I love them as a pairing. I stand by my, my claim that I think I would rather see them together than Colossus and Kitty Pride right now. I think that's where Colossus is at. Dang, his life. I think he's a grown-up. He's ready for, for a little grown-up relationship. And, All uh, the things we've said, you would imagine that Nick Lowe would have busted through the door nah. uh, at least once my, already. My voice is too quiet, so he can't he can't hear what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this uh, this book is a nice mix of a lot of different things. Fantastic Four number thirteen, written by Matt Fraction and Carl Kiesel, art by Mark Bagley. This one's crazy. I had no idea what was going on for the first like three quarters of the issue, which was nice because the twist at the end is is a good one. We seem to get dropped in the middle of the current Fantastic Four FF epic where Doctor Doom, Kang, and Annihilus finally bust in and start knocking skulls. We flash forward to the future where they have taken over everything. It's a year later and uh, everything's bad. The Fantastic Four are trying to do everything back, but it's not the Fantastic Four as we remember them. It's like, what, what, what? Yeah, it's a different Mr. Fantastic. It's a different uh, Invisible Woman. Jean Grey from the all-new X-Men's there, Namor's there, the thing looks all different, and uh, things are crazy. They go on kind of a final attack against Doom and his forces, and then at the end, we learn what's really going on, and then uh, back with the FF we know and love, things are turning for the worse. Uh, Very interesting issue, very interesting aside from the current storyline that piqued my interest of how this is all going to wrap up. Yes, indeedy. Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. The Guardians have captured Angela. This is the issue that gives you a lot of information, tells you where, a lot more about where she's from, how she got into our universe, uh, the tie that you know is bridged from uh, Age of Ultron, the end where you saw her zooped over, uh, where that, where she comes from. She's from heaven. Heaven isn't too far. Go ahead. Uh, so she's from there. It's not There's too a, far away, you know. Right? It's not too far away. There's a lot more to that than you think. How uh, is heaven spelled? H-E-V-E-N, like yeah. seven. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's not the heaven you were thinking of. No. And there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, <laughs> it's great because 
uh, Peter Quill and Tony Stark are both flirting with her a little bit. Yep. And they should so not be. Yeah. Gamora just wants to shoot her as many times as possible. Uh, great funny lines between from all the characters. And then Angela goes to Earth. Yep. What that means for the future of everything, we will find out. Could be bad. Could be good. Could be good. You never know. Could be bad or good. Could be good bad. Something in between. Begaboo. Who knows? Uh, Hawkeye number 13. You guys, we did it. It's back. Hawkeye's back. It's about... Damn time, Hawkeye. I was wondering what happened to Hawkeye. It's uh, by Fraction and Aha. With you, you didn't mention who did the. Uh, the oh my the goodness! Yes, right, Guardians, right. Yeah. and uh, uh, Sarah Bakelli yep. do. They share art chores. I was excited to see Mister Shiti yeah. after after uh, turning into Mystery Rap. Valerio does the sort of um, flashback stuff mm-hmm. uh, that you would see Angela's world and where she comes from, and. Uh, the stuff from Sarah is all in our universe. Yep. It's very, very, very cool stuff. Yep. I was excited though because we always uh, we were talking about how we want to make sure. Heck yeah, Valerio Shitty is on our minds. Totally. Uh, so back to Hawkeye. This is another issue that sort of spans a bunch of things that we've already. Yeah, seen. I think we're we're just seeing the same two days like from the different perspective of every character. A little Rashomon. Is that how they do it? Anyway, is that it? <laughs> uh, there's just so many great moments in here, though. It's, it's I love this book. I know yeah. so many of you do as well. This delivers on storytelling. You get to see um, the perspective, really, from Clint. It's Clint, yeah, because we saw Kate's perspective. We saw Barney's perspective. Now we finally get back to Clint and that really sad moment that happened a few issues. We finally get to see his reaction. Yeah, I, and I like the whole dynamic of throwing Barney into this. Yeah, me too. And really seeing where it goes. I also like that they don't uh, they acknowledge that you know he recently tried to kill his brother and yeah. his friends and that they don't sweep that under the rug. Yeah, it's just, that's life yep. and they deal with it. It's life in the Barton family. Yeah. Uh, you get to see a guy pooping in this issue and uh, tons more people making hot dogs and it definitely has some of those um, those really like lump in your throat moments Um, I love this book Hunger number 4 final issue by Josh Fialkov our friend and Leonard Kirk Uh, we pick up right from the death of a ultimate character from the previous issue and Rick Jones ends up taking up their mantle and a little bit of uh, homage to what happened to Rick Jones back in the original Marvel Universe. Rick Jones has been a great character. Uh, he he kind of came into the Ultimate Universe a bit of a blank slate. Brian Bendis did some cool stuff with him, but Fialkov's really made him his own. Makes him a true hero here. He goes up against Galactus and Galactus, the swarm. Silver Surfer helps out. There's some really huge cosmic action, which Leonard Kirk does a fabulous job rendering. And by the end of this, it sets up Cataclysm and also sets up uh, Rick Jones in a new place. And I'm not sure where that is, and I would like to know. So, Josh Fialkov, please call me. Ring, ring, ring. Let me know what's up, brother. Ring, ring, ring. Indestructible Hulk special number one, Arms of the Octopus part two, picking up from all new X-Men special. This is written by Mike Costa. Very cool art by Jake Wyatt, who's going to be doing Secret Avengers in all new Marvel now. We kick things off with Bruce Banner out in the desert. And I knew when I read this that my uh, co-host here would be super excited to see this splash page. Oh my god! I can't handle it. The Hulk needed to be calmed down, uh. so uh, all the people who work at Shield brought in their own puppies uh. to crawl all over him. It's just this page of the Hulk looking super happy it with puppies crawling thing. on him. I need that. I but, need to be calmed down right now. Give me puppies. But I love the fact that. Uh, 
And Banner's like, oh, cool, thanks for doing that. That was my plan. And the show people are like, we all hate you. By the way, these are our puppies. He's like, yeah. really? I'm so you, glad my dog is yeah. safe. You always use your own puppies? They're like, where, where were we going to get a dozen puppies to hang out with the Hulk? Or like, we're not going to get them from like a pound or something. So anyways, that's just the first three pages. Uh, it's all from Bruce Banner's perspective, the narrative, which I really like the handle Mike Costa has on Bruce Banner. Um, they bring him back to Empire State University where the X-Men, the all-new X-Men, and Spider-Man are researching along with an old colleague of Bruce's how Dr. Octopus has seemingly come to the present. There's some time travel shenanigans. There's a lot of just great art, neat tricks like this page where they're, it's like almost like a Where's Waldo type thing following Hank McCoy and Spider-Man and all these people across the page. Uh, Really like Jake Wyatt's stuff. This is a preview he's got in store. That's that's awesome. Spider-Man trying to deal with Dr. Octopus. Funny stuff. We got Beast awkwardly hitting on this girl. And then the Abomination shows up. And we get an awesome Abomination versus Hulk fight. Again, just art is awesome on this. It's funny. It's well-drawn. It's adventurous. And it stands on its own. Look at this. Another great splash page. And then there's a big, uh, there's a big twist at the end. Uh... I'm really looking forward to seeing the third part of this. I, I like when we do stories like this. They're not necessarily tied into some huge, big, sprawling thing. I love our big events, but nice little standalone stories here, driven by characters, showcasing new creators. This is the good stuff. Indestructible Hulk special number one. This whole Arms of the Octopus thing has really been impressing me so far. I hope we get more Mike Costa soon. I hope so, too. I really like Mike Costa. Uh, he's a good guy, too. I spoke to him a couple times on Twitter. He seems really cool. Cool. He was. I, I actually got excited for this because I heard him on an edition of our friend Pat Loika's podcast, and I was really impressed by him and his, his fandom and uh, what he does. That's awesome. So I'd like to hear more of him. And uh, over in Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man number 19, another buddy of ours, Joe Caramagna, and adapts the episode of Venomous, featuring Venom, mm. written by Man Action. Nice little translation of that piece of business. All right, uh, over to New Avengers and the flip side to big stuff going on in Infinity Land. You get the Illuminati dealing with, um, I wouldn't say just some Earthbound problems because they are on Earth. They're trying to figure out some stuff. They're at the end of the world, so to speak. And then they get whisked away to another universe. Like, boop, brought to another universe with builders and Alephs and Ex Nihili. And it's like, it's just like two degrees off from our own. It's really interesting. And the stuff that they have to deal with, I won't even spoil it because if you've been following along with this series, you know it's really heavy stuff. Uh, while that's all going on, you got Proxima Midnight making the big push against uh, Wakanda, which has never fallen, and it falls. Wakanda is not. I'm kind of upset about that. I've always liked the fact that Wakanda is always, you know. But that, I mean, that around. shows you the the no. The that's, level. that's what I'm saying. I cared. I cared when Wakanda yeah. got breached. I was like, ah, oh, that's their thing. Yeah. Also, Namor flooded them a little while ago, so they've been having some a rough time of it. They have been a rough go, a rough, go, a rough go of it. Yeah. Uh, while they're fighting, um, you've got some really gorgeous art by Mike Diodato. And uh, having played the Infinity Spec Op in Avengers Alliance, mm -hmm. I want somebody to punch. Proxima Midnight in the face so a million times over again. She, yeah, she, I think, fighting those Thanos battles, the uh, group boss battles, it was never, the ones where you fought Thanos were, they were tough. The ones where you fought Thanos and Corvus Glaive, kind of be annoying, but, oh, Proxima Midnight is just the worst. Yeah. 
Because she would just stab, 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 yeah, stab, yeah. stab. It's like if you don't have some sort of shield up and she shows up, you're done. You're losing at least one to two people on her first hit. Yeah. And she's impossible to kill. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, she, is, she, is, is... she is the mightiest of the Black Order's uh, fighters. Oh, yeah. I learned from Avengers <laughs> Alliance. Uh, it is interesting that I noticed that you could kill her or even Corvus. And if you kill them too quickly, yeah, they come, they come back. He comes right. They, yeah. he brings them right back. Yeah, so which you is so annoying. It's very annoying. Um, anyway, back to the story at hand. Uh, as Wakanda has fallen, uh, Thanos gets a personal tour of all kinds of stuff, and they find the Black Panther and the Illuminati's uh, secret bunkers. Essentially, yeah. you've got all these uh, ways to destroy it's their, planets. It's their hatch. Yeah, <laughs> you find the hatch. Yeah. Uh, figure out is that what da- is that a dated reference at this point? Never. <laughs> uh, they figure out how they're going to deal with the incursion problems, and Thanos is like, "Huh, this is this is unexpected, but, yeah. and I like these people." File the, file this away for later. These people might be good dinner guests. Yeah. We could kill a lot of oh people together. Thanos uh, dinner. I would love to see that. Yeah, they they see uh, they meet Terax. They see him just chilling. Uh, they meet the Black Swan, and Thanos wants no part of her. Yeah. Which She's I like, found that was fascinating. Cool. That was very interesting. Like, leave her alone. Yeah. She says, "Yes, would you care to free us, tyrant?" He looks at her and looks at her and looks at her and says, nah, nah I'm good. You're, you're See ya. staying in your cage. Yeah. Uh, while that's all going on, you get uh, Doctor Strange's problem finally uh, resolved. Friggin' Doctor Strange. That's something that happens in the spec op, too. Like a mini version of that. Yeah. The What's his butt? The, uh, uh, Whisper Man. Yeah, Whisper Man. Doctor Whisper? The, the Black Order guy. The, He's in the recap page. Whisper, whisper Dude? It's not any. Oh, it's not Midnight Supergiant or Corvus. It's one of the other ones. Ugh. Such weird names that yeah, it's hard crazy. to remember them. Anyway, Whisperman. Ra- rack my brain. Whisperman does his thing, but they they fix it. Uh, all that's going on, and there's some big things that the Illuminati have to decide if they want to take part in or not. Y'all. Great issue. Really cool stuff. Superior Spider-Man number nineteen by Dan Slott, Ryan Stegman. And uh, this is the resolution to the 2099 storyline. Yeah. He's back. He's here. What happens to him, I will not tell you. But things do not go as according to plan as everyone would have liked. There's some really great stuff with uh, Peter and Miguel, the two Spider-Men. There's um, some really interesting stuff in the framing sequences uh, for this issue with uh, Carly yeah. and uh, the Wraith. Wraith. So what that means in the the next you know coming issue. Also, uh, when he goes into his little mindscape place, yes. a very important I think series of panels. Yeah, a mysterious series. Mysterious, of panels. but I think this is going to. This is going to be the issue back. you should you should keep in mind. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Sl- Slotty said something about it when he was on the show. Okay, good. I yeah. thought we were no no talking out of turn. Falling up. All right. Yeah, you were probably distracted by the smell of his leather jacket, as I was. <laughs> you were standing next Freshly to him. Freshly minted smell leather, leather jacket. Ja- oh my god! It was. He must have just gotten that thing off the rack right before he came into the <laughs> came to the show. For our labs, uh, for our uh, listeners in Horizon Labs, like the the Facebook group and I guess fandom. You guys got to find a new name. Yeah, you guys. Uh, you may want to think about Alchemex as a as a oh, yeah. different opportunity for you. Yeah, or whatever. Uh, Max Modell's boat's gonna be called <laughs> Horizon at Sea. Uh, okay. Sea Horizon, huh? Ooh, I like that. Bad Sea Horizon. Ooh. 
Uncanny X-Men number 13 by Brian Michael Bendis and Chris Pachalo. It's chapter 8, The Battle of the Atom. So the nasty future X-Men, who we learned were nasty, uh, have taken out Wolverine's team. They've taken out the all-new X-Men for the most part. So Magic, Iceman, and Beast of the all-new Persuasion need to go and get reinforcements. They get the good future X-Men, and they also go and get the uncanny X-Men, so Cyclops and his team. So this is cool. It's all the various teams kind of having a, who have been split for the past little bit, schismed, Uh-oh. having to come back together to deal with Schism. a bigger threat. So Cyclops and his team go in to the Jean Grey school, they siege it and try to take it back from these nasty jerks from the future. Uh, it's a, quite a fight. Uh, I love this Colossus and magic action. They reunite. They both got soul swords. They're going crazy, trying to take people out. People and I get love stabbed. the little the little things that the future characters will say that oh, yeah. like lead you like, whoa, uh, it's so what's fru- gonna happen to that it's, person? It's so frustrating and awesome. I know. Uh, Molly Hayes and Deadpool oh. have a crazy fight with the Rasputins. We find out that uh, the guy who we thought was just a new version of Cloak is actually Wiccan in like Doctor Strange's cape. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Krakoa plays a major role. Oh, Krakoa. Future Jean Grey messes with magic. Basically just rifling off bullet points because there's so much crazy stuff going on here. But at the end, they try to send uh, the all-new X-Men back to the past. I just don't really know why they're trying to do it, but that's their goal. And we have to read the issue to see if it works or not. we still got a couple more chapters of this yes. story to go. X-Men Legacy number 18 is our final issue of the week by our voice Cy Spurrier, art by Koi Pham and Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is the issue where Legion's like, Neener, 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 I was tricking you. It was all a ruse. I am smarter than you. I'm better that's every, than you. That's every three issues of X-Men Legacy. I and I never mind because it's always great. It's terrific. He's like, Cyclops, you're a jerk. Ha, yeah. ha, ha, look what I did. You didn't do it. But, yeah. but the X-Men do not play dirty. Uh, do not play... Nice, clean. Nice. They, don't they play, play clean. dirty. They play dirty. They play super dirty. Yep. And they screw it, everything up. It everything gets screwed up. And Legion was doubly right. Yes. He should have. Uh, oh, everything about it. And it uh, it ends with catastrophe. That's what I'll say. That's what you'll say. All right. Tone of the week. Oh goodness, I don't know. Let's hop to it. You pick first. Uh, all about Indestructible Hulk special this week. That was a wonderful piece of comic book business by two rising stars. And Mike Costa and Jake Wyatt, my non-on hat is off to you, gentlemen. Really enjoyed that issue. Just a lot of fun. I'm covering while Ryan yawns. I'm going with Hawkeye number 13. Yeah, long yeah. awaited. So long. Uh, Hawkeye, Indestructible Hulk, but a lot of great stuff for you guys to check out. This week. Remember on last week's episode when I said that uh, those two books gave me that Royal Tenenbaums feeling? That was a long time ago. Maybe I remember, don't remember that. When was that? But I had that when I was reading Hawkeye. Oh, oh my God, ah! we, we, we summoned you like uh, ten minutes ago. Oh, yeah? But my voice is so dead that I didn't think you oh, heard ben me. Oh, Let me but, massage your throat. Here, uh, on, oh, guys, he's, he's choking me. <laughs> Nick Lowe, controversial opinion I expressed that Ryan Panagos was not sure how you'd react to Let's it. do it. I, in the pages of Cable and X-Force, which you oversee, mm-hmm. but do not edit, I would rather see Colossus with Domino than with Kitty Pride right now. Boom. Boom. I agree. Right? I agree. I think he's ready for an adult oh, no, relationship. Oh, no. Uh, what, what is that? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I thought it's, you were going to shoot me with a laser No, it's beam. Ryan's new Dick Tracy watch. He That's can take crazy. pictures with it. He can call people on the Did phone. Did he give that to you? 
He invented my new watch. He invented it. That's awesome, dude. He invented it. It goes with your Samsung there, huh? Yeah. Look, pretty neat. Captain Technology over I'm here. Ah, oh, see? Oh, anyway, back to it. Yeah, right? I am all for moving things forward. Yeah. Not looking back. Yep. Uh, I am all for... Uh, Whoa, what a great picture. Uh, this, is, this is great for the people listening. Yeah. Uh, I'm all for moving forward. I yes. think they're a great couple. You go, Nick. I find them uh, very intriguing. Yes. Um, and it just makes for more drama yeah. when they get, when, when, not when they get together again, but when they see each other again, like Kitty and, and Peter. Club, right? And Kitty, well, what about Kitty and Iceman, too? Like, that's no, my I favorite like that. stuff. I like that couple, in, too. Uh, over in the X-Men. A lot of drama for your mama. Niccolo, yeah. very progressive. Hell Niccolo, yeah. what's, uh, what's been going on since the last time we had you on the podcast? Any major life events? It's your, I had a baby. You did. I, I personally <laughs> had a baby. My wife was limitedly was she involved. Was she supportive of she you? She was. She was. That's she could have uh, sacrificed a little more. Okay. Um... But no, my my beautiful wife Emily yes. and I have had a baby. Congratulations! Uh, thank Yay. you so much. Uh, and and she's a beautiful little girl. Her name is Lois, nice. named after my grandmother. Oh. Uh, but I'm not gonna lie and say that I didn't like that. There's alliteration with Lois Lowe. Lois Lowe. Lois I Lowe. like that a lot. As a comic fan, I love alliteration. You had a birthday too. I did have a birthday. When was your birthday? October seventh. Congratulations! Thank you so much. Remember that podcast people send me presents. Yeah. Under. Uh, five dollars. That's very nice. <laughs> Don't get me anything extravagant. Yeah, or anything at all. I'd probably not get it. Just buy a comic book. Buy a comic book for buy, yourself. For yourself. You can buy two. Buy an X Men book for yourself. Not an Avengers book. Not an Avengers. maybe return an Avengers. Yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give up an Avengers book and pick <laughs> up an X Men book on my birthday next year. So I wasn't paying attention to either of you. Did you talk about A plus X? No. A plus X. Uh, very exciting. Yes. Jeremy Dugan. Isn't he great? He's yeah. the best. He's, He's really like. That made me so happy. Did you see his beard this weekend? Oh, he's an amazing man. We had some barbecue Turkey. together. I saw I saw food get into that beard. No, oh, actually, no, he, no. he eats too delicately for that to happen. <laughs> he's he's amazing. Uh, but yeah, how about that? It's like the uh, forty eight hours or midnight run of comics. Oh yeah, something like that. It's, it's something we just we love that. And then the insane Howard Chagan story. Howard's so good. Howard's yeah. so good. Howard you is give so him the good. perfect stuff to draw, too. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> Someone, like, two weeks ago asked us about Cadre K and if we'd ever see them again. I think we, like, laughed them off completely. Oh, yeah, right? I said, man, we should have talked to Nick Jerry. before we went on there. Jerry's idea. Oh. It was great. The Instructable Hulk. Indestructible that's, that Hulk was Angel. my pick of the week. Actually, hell yeah. And if you want to know, there's actually a cameo. Uh, speaking of things in my life, my dog Tully. Makes an appearance oh, on the splash page. That splash page. He's is the amazing. one with the blue collar and the and the and the little bone on the collar. For those uh, out there listening, he's <laughs> aficionados. An adorable little gold dude. That's his comic book debut. Yeah. Oh, Battle of the Atom heating up, y'all. Nick, you're all Uncanny over the place X-Men. this week. Number thirteen. Crazy. What was, what was your pick stuff. of the week? I don't think it was a Nick Lowe book. Uh, my pick was Hawkeye. Oh. Sorry. Which is Sorry, uh, which is on my night table. I with the baby, I've not gotten much reading done. But uh, Hawkeye, excuses. I'm stoked about. I'm gonna read it this week. Don't you? Don't you get on me? I'll get on you. I didn't. That fascinated by your crazy Dick Tracy watch. Yeah, it's I can actually. I can literally make phone calls or receive them yeah. from here. Yeah. I know. I know. I was just having a conversation. This is boring. For Stop by after, and we'll actually talk okay. about it. But this, this is like this is not a Samsung podcast. This is a Marvel comic one. Maybe you can get them to throw us a couple bucks, Dude, or a couple um, of those watches. Oh my god! Will it work with my iPhone? No. Wow. Imagine if we all just sat in your office, like talking on our watches, while Jordan White just had to watch. Yeah. That would just be fantastic. Watch our watches. Watch our watches. So, oh, we had um, 
We had Taryn Killam from Saturday Night Live on the, the show. Yeah. He did a, oh, uh, a dramatic reenactment of the first episode of the first X-Men. Two episodes. A- first two episodes of the X-Men animated, animated series. series. Yep. It does all the voices. All the voices. Wow. But he has beat by beat memorized, and it's incredible. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty great. You would have loved it. And he's got a comic coming out with IDW. I, yep. read, yes. I read it on the train ride home. It's yes. really good. We good. Really it's really, I mean, I don't like to plug other companies' things, but it's really good. Him and Mark Andreco wrote it, and mm-hmm. uh, Kevin, Kevin Sharp on art. Kevin Sharp drew it. Yeah. Marvel's own. He worked for Marvel several times. Kevin yeah. Sharp. Mark Andreco's worked for us, too. So it's he's, true. He's ours. He, sort we, of. We, 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 we own him. We own him. Yeah. Yeah. He, signed his, he signed his life at some point. Yeah, that's cool. I'm going to have to listen to that. Listen to what? The podcast with him. Oh, I was a podcast. Oh, no, it was video. It was oh, you can watch it. I'm not on Marvel Live. Before. I meant to close my eyes and listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> you weren't on Marvel Live this uh, this week. I was at home with the baby. No, we didn't. We want. We want to leave you alone. Let you enjoy your. It. Let you the enjoy your time, domestic bliss. I can't wait to destroy some more property. We can't wait to have. We it. can't wait to have you. Thank you guys. Thank Nick, you, Nick. Heck yeah. Go home and enjoy your family. I yeah. will. Or go next door to enjoy Jordan and Tom. I will. He will. Hey, Glow, everybody. That is the good diversion we were looking for. All right. Let's talk more about stuff coming this week, like collections that are on sale right now. Avengers Volume 3, Prelude to Infinity in hardcover. Essential Thor Volume 7, trade paperback. Marvel Masterworks, The Mighty Thor Volume 12. Wow. In hardcover. Hot dog. Marvel Zombies, The Complete Collection, Volume 1, trade paperback. Wow. And Wolverine Max, Volume 2, Escape to L.A., also in trade paperback. Awesome. Uh, on the app this week, tons of digital comics, everything we talk about, as well as Iron Man Fatal Frontier Infinite Comic Number 2. Looking forward to reading the heck out of that one. Uh, we also have GLA Numbers 1 through 4, Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. from 1988, the, ser- the full series, Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. 1 through 3 and 5 hmm. uh, from 1968, the original volume. I don't I know. Never care- I never cared for number 4. Yeah, 4. Let's... It's just let's, a let's sub, it subpar issue. Uh, Strange Tales 151 through 168. I think that's more Nick Fury. Yeah. And West Coast Avengers yeah. number 46. Which, Tons I don't know. Stuff. Maybe it's a Nick Fury issue. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, plenty of collections on the app this week, including Avengers Volume 3, Prelude to Infinity, Astonishing X-Men, Children of the Brood, Ooh. Daredevil by Bendis and Maleev, Ultimate Collection Volume 3, Fantastic Four by Jonathan Hickman, Volume 6. Fantastic Four, Volume 1, New Departure, New Arrivals. Marvel's Thor, The Dark World Prelude, and Thor and the Mighty Avengers. Oh, and there's still more. X-Men Legacy, Volume 1, Prodigal, and X-Men Extinction Agenda. Over on Marvel Unlimited, we've got Age of Ultron, Number 6, Astonishing X-Men, Number 61, Avengers Assemble, Number 14AU, Avenging Spider-Man number 19, Cable and X-Force number 7, Captain America number 6 from the current volume, Secret Avengers number 3 from the current volume, Thor God of Thunder number 7, Ultimate Comics Ultimates number 23, Ultron number 1 AU, Uncanny Avengers number 6, Uncanny X-Men number 4 from the current volume, and Wolverine number 2 from the current volume. Meow. All right. Tons of stuff this week. Uh, Strami, set it off for us. Hello there, this week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom coming to you from gorgeous, sunny, and still hot in October, Los Angeles, with the latest in what is on air this week in Marvel Television. First up, of course, we have new episodes of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man and Marvel's Avengers Assemble this Sunday, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. A new episode of Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man features the return 
of Norman Osborn to the series. And when I say Norman Osborn, I mean Norman Osborn, not the Goblin. Last time we saw him, he had just been transformed back into Norman. Well, now he has decided to turn over a new leaf, or at least that's what it appears he is doing. We get to see him in the Iron Patriot armor for the first time in the series, so you can check it out to see whether or not he really is turning over a new leaf, though with Norman... I'm gonna say chances are probably not good. And then, after that, at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we've got an all-new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble called Avengers Impossible, featuring the Impossible Man, who is maybe one of my favorite Marvel villains. He's just so... There's something so goofy but malicious about him. I don't know. But I have always loved him. I'm super excited for this episode. Check it out, 11.30 a.m. inside Marvel Universe on Disney XD. And, of course, we have an all-new episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up this week. Or, I'm sorry, next week on Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. We'll have some new clips, a new episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. declassified, um, new images, tons of great stuff in the coming days. Uh, Nothing yet to point to as we usually start posting that stuff either late Thursday or Friday and then just keep on going right up until the episode premieres. But in this episode, the team travels to China to track down a mysterious girl in the flower dress. And there's not much more I can tell you about that without, well, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. coming after me and you never hearing from me again. So, that pretty much covers everything that's on air this week. I'll kick you guys back to those fine fellows in New York and be back again shortly. All right, thank you, Strami. Very informative as always. This is Ben back. Ryan just took a quick powder to go uh, get us the hard copy of X-Men Mutant Destiny for when we do the reading club. Give you guys a quick rundown of news. We already talked about it earlier this week. We were mostly focused on New York Comic Con and all our big announcements there. All the all new Marvel Now titles that we announced, plus the big Miracle Man news, Deadpool the Gauntlet, uh, more on George A. Romero's Empire of the Dead, more on Disney Kingdom, Seekers of the Weird, and tons of other good stuff. You can find all of that at marvel.com slash nycc2013 or visit the news section of marvel.com or the comic section of marvel.com. Additionally, we spoke to Charles Soule on Tuesday about his new She-Hulk series and released all our usual goodness. So plenty of good comic stuff. And we also recapped a lot of the video game news back on our Tuesday episode. So go back, listen to that if you haven't already, check out all the news, and we're going to send it back over to Strami for all the news about movies, TV, and other things matriculating from the West Coast. Welcome back once more this week in Marvelites, Marvel.com Associate Editor Mark Strom coming to you once more with the latest news out of Marvel movies, TV, and games. We're going to start this week with Marvel Games because New York Comic Con was last weekend and Marvel Games had a ton of really cool announcements from there. Beginning with, um, let's start with the announcement of a new spec op for Marvel Avengers Alliance. 
inspired by Marvel's Thor The Dark World, of course. This will be coming up soon. You get Heimdall as your reward hero. There is a new Loki available as the Lockbox character. It's going to be very fun. Again, it's inspired by the event of the film, so ties in there. You won't want to miss that, and we will, of course, bring you news as soon as it's live in the game. They also announced that Chapter 3 of Season 2 will be coming up, and the reward alternate costume for that will be Daredevil's original costume, which has me super stoked because Daredevil is maybe my favorite Marvel hero, and I've always had a very soft spot in my heart for that original costume. Aside from that, you can also now play Chapter 2 of Season 2 in the game on Facebook, and the reward alternate costume for that is Cyclops's... I hardly know what you'd call it. It's, it's the costume he had back in the uh, Team Blue, Team Gold days, back when Jim Lee and Will Spatasio were doing X-Men and Uncanny X-Men. So, start working towards that right now in the game. Other announcements that we had were, of course, a ton of LEGO Marvel Super Heroes reveals. We revealed eight new characters or so, eight or nine new characters at the panel, including Moon Knight, Superior Spider-Man, there was Havoc, there was the Shocker, which, of course, I am super excited for. Tons more. You can see them all on Marvel.com. And, of course, we've been revealing new characters for the game exclusively on Marvel.com so far, including Black Bolt, Ant-Man, Bullseye, and we'll have even more for you. This game is huge. It has more than 140 playable characters, and it is, well, huge. It's huge. It's really, really, really huge. And it comes out next week, October 22nd. I personally can't wait for it. I may not be in the office for, like, the next three days after it comes out because I may just be sitting there glued to my TV playing it. But that probably won't happen, sadly. But I wish it could. Jumping from LEGO Marvel Super Heroes over to Marvel Run Jump Smash, it's a new infinite runner that is coming soon for mobile devices. You get to play as Hulk, Cap, Iron Man, Black Widow, Nick Fury, all the characters that either run, they jump, or they smash. Which, you know, might be why it's called Run Jump Smash. But it will be available for iOS and Android devices soon. I don't think we've given a date for it yet, but you can check out the trailer right now on Marvel.com as well as our YouTube. There's news on Marvel War of Heroes, which is celebrating its one-year anniversary. Of course, Marvel War of Heroes is the mobile card game that is free to download on iOS and Android devices. We've got a new trailer for the game for you on Marvel.com, as well as some awesome new art to show off, and news of a special anniversary event that is going on in the game. We had a new trailer for Marvel Heroes, the free-to-play MMO, that is currently live. We had news of new environments coming to the game, including Asgard, new heroes, including Luke Cage and Nightcrawler and Gambit, new alternate costumes, including Lady Deadpool for Deadpool, Superior Spider-Man for Spider-Man, 
tons of other stuff. You can watch the trailer now, again, on Marvel.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Marvel. We also had the announcement of the Amazing Spider-Man 2 game, which will be coming to consoles next spring. Of course, this is Spidey returning in a new free-roaming adventure. It's by the same guys that made Amazing Spider-Man 1, the first game for Amazing Spider-Man. So, if you enjoyed that game, you will definitely enjoy this one. And we've got the first trailer for that, as well as some more details on Marvel.com and our YouTube channel. I think that covers everything for games. Oh, no, I am sorry. There was one more announcement, which is a Doctor Strange table coming to Marvel Pinball. You can check out that trailer as well on Marvel.com and our YouTube channel. It looks really fantastic. It is very true to the character. I know the guys who are working on it just poured over issues of Doctor Strange comics, and almost all of the dialogue is lifted directly from the comics, storylines lifted from the comics. You fight... Dormammu and Baron Mordo and Nightmare and Shumagorath and Clea and Wong are in it. It's going to be really incredible. It is coming this December, I believe, but no set date for that. But it will be here very, very shortly. Jumping from games over to the world of TV... The Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. store is now open on ABC.com, so you can get tons of awesome Coulson swag, tons of shirts, coffee mugs, tons of stuff available there. There isn't exactly an easy URL to go to, so there to direct you to, so I will instead say you can check out on Marvel.com all of the coverage on it. We have a story that should be linking out to it. Or if you go directly to abc.com and you go to the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. page on abc.com, you can also find your way to it. Finally, in the world of film, we have two new clips this week for Marvel's Thor The Dark World. The first featured Thor joining his Asgardian comrades in battle just in the nick of time to help them out of a little bit of a scrape and the second features Malekith and Malekith seems to be waking up from some type of extended slumber and the cool thing about that scene is that when Ryan and I were in London last year on the set that was the scene we actually saw them filming so it was very cool to see that come to life. And, rounding things out, we had an interview with Thor, the Dark World director, Alan Taylor, that is currently up on the site. He talks about some of his influences and what it's like taking on this franchise with the second film after Kenneth Branagh got it off to such a great start in the first one. Tons more. Read it now on Marvel.com. It pretty much covers everything I've got. So with that, I shall leave you. But I will speak to you again in seven more days. Until then, I wish you a great weekend, an even greater week, and I thank you for listening. All right, we're back. Uh, I don't know what happened. Strami just went off the rails and interrupted my section. Uh, I basically Interrupt anything. I should be talking about... Um, no, the real story nothing? is that I was waiting for like 10 minutes while Ryan was showing off his watch to you people exaggerate. in the hallway. 
at you least. You are an exaggerator. No, news is over. It's time to do Reading Club. Reading Club. All right, this week was my pick, uh, X-Men Mutant Genesis, covering the first three issues of X-Men from 1991. It was Chris Claremont's last X-Men story of his original run, which began back in the 70s. So it was like a 20-year run. Uh it's not More quite less. 20 years. It's probably it like six, 15 or 16. Yeah. It started it like 76. Com- coming up on 20. Uh, somewhere between... T- this was 1991 when this came so, out. So it was somewhere between 10 and 20 years. Uh, <laughs> Jim Lee was, of course, the new hotness. He had jumped on the book a year, a couple years prior. And this was just, you know, it was, it was crazy. It was, a, it was a huge launch at the time. Uh, Uncanny X-Men got a new creative team. X-Force launched out of New Mutants. X-Factor got relaunched as the Peter David series. It didn't I, get relaunched, though. Oh, it got re, It was the same. It not relaunched in the sense we think of it today, because back then things never got relaunched. They yeah. got relaunched creatively. Yeah. So it was still, you know, it was like issue 71, but it was a whole new creative team and a whole new cast. Uh, so it was this whole... The whole thing itself was called Mutant Genesis, kind of across the board. It was basically the reinvigoration of the X-Men titles, following years of the X-Men actually kind of being apart. And then the Muir Island saga brought them all back together. Mm. So then you had enough X-Men that there were now two distinct teams, the blue team and the gold team. And this is when I started coming in as a fan in earnest. It wasn't like the first X-Men comics I had read, but it was the first that I was really starting like, okay, this is... is, Correct. I'm going to stick with this. Um, X-Men... The new title was supposed to be The Adventures of the Blue Team, and was for a while. And the Blue Team, I always, I always felt kind of bad, because I felt like the Blue Team got all the popular heavy hitter characters, because they got Cyclops, they got Wolverine, they got Gambit, they had Rogue, they had Psylocke, and they had Beast, which is a pretty awesome lineup. Now, the Gold Team was no slouches. They had Storm, they had Jean Grey, they had Iceman, they had Archangel, they had Colossus, eventually they got Bishop. He was like their, their new addition. Archangel was over there as well. But you always get the sense that uh, the blue team was kind of the spotlight team. And we actually see some of that in this story, uh, where we see that they were clearly seen as the more powerful team. But you get a lot of cool Jim Lee costume redesigns that would end up being on X-Men, the animated series in the 90s. And thus, as I was talking about with one of our freelancers, Brett White, over the weekend, as he always says, basically became like the default costumes for like when you think of the X-Men yeah. for anyone who was born around this time period. Like you always think of Cyclops in the the blue costume with the crazy yellow suspenders. You always think of Storm in the white costume with the double X's. Uh, you always think of Rogue in her green and red and leather jacket look. Uh, so the big draw here was that over the course of the 80s, Claremont had done a lot of stuff. And one of the big things he'd done was he had brought Magneto into the X-Men as a hero. He had replaced Professor X. Professor X went off into space for a little bit. This was the return of Magneto as the big bad guy of the X-Men. He's been off on his own for a little while, and now he's back. He's got the Acolytes who debut here, led by Fabian Cortez, uh, and they lay siege to Genosha. They do a bunch of nasty stuff. The X-Men come after them, and it ends up being basically Claremont's ultimate X-Men versus Magneto showdown going all the way up into Asteroid M in outer space. At the time, I was blown away. The art was like, you know, nothing I'd ever seen. Every page was gorgeous. Even the colors, for the time, for 91, I thought the colors were incredible. Uh, and Claremont's writing was just, 
a lot of people were, were starting to harp on the, the wordiness and all that stuff at the time. But for me, I was just like, I love the, I love the verboseness. I love the over description. I love just how moody and intense everything was. Every character got cool moments. And this remains to me kind of the foundation of what made me an X-Men fan. Uh, just the colorful costumes, the powers thrown everywhere, action constantly, the angst, and the dynamics between all the team members. This was kind of like my quintessential X-Men story as a kid. Even, you know, Executioner's song would, of course, kind of supplant it, but this is this is kind of like the nuts and bolts. Like, this is where my X-Men love really came from. Yeah, I think I was very similar to you in that I had read X-Men comics, you know, here and there, uh, picked up some stuff, but I remember very distinctly reading, uh, getting X-Men number three and Infinity Gauntlet number six, mm. same time, and it was like that changed mm. my perspective. Did they come out at the same time? They were on newsstands at the same time. It's crazy. Like Mutant Genesis and Infinity Gauntlet were going on at the same time. Yeah. And so for me, I've probably read X Men number three mm-hmm. a good 100 times over the years. Like I read it and read it and read it because it's just it's one of those books that was like, wow, what's going on? Who are, who are, who are, they're fighting everybody. And who are these guys? What's yeah. going on over here? And, One of the coolest things about X Men number three in particular. Because that was the one that took me forever to get. Because I had the first two for like the longest time, and I had to track down number three. Was it's the gold team versus the blue team? Like that's what I was alluding to earlier. Magneto brainwashes the blue team and gets them on his side. So X Men number three is all X Men versus X Men. Yes, and, it's awesome. and I will confirm that uh, Claremont started in 1976. All right, and what, so it was a 15 year 15-year run. 15 year run. Nothing S- to sneeze at. Yeah, seriously. When you know when you can say that, that that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that it's just a three issue arc that was really de- it was definitive and it was epic and big and it set like Ben was saying it set records it set records that like old, millions of copies. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records today. Yeah, it's the I think it's the what is the best selling comic of all time. I, mean, I know we gave that Guinness book we gave that Guinness record out like two years ago at San Diego. Yeah. And Claremont was there to Yeah, do. yeah, yeah. Even like the first few pages where it's the X Men going through the danger room, um, that to me is like if I were to try to sell the X Men to someone, I would just show them I'd probably skip over the like first two Magneto pages, because um, they're kinda out of context. Just showing this You'd see everyone using their powers. You'd see everyone's personality. You just, in the first, like, five pages, you get a sense of everything. And everyone gets their spotlight moment, and it's all good. It's just it's just uh, some of the most pure introductory stuff I've ever seen. It's a perfect introduction to the X-Men. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's just great relationship things here. Little touches that you get super excited about. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, all the, the Magneto stuff. It's just... You know, they put such a, an emphasis. Because Magneto had been away for a little while at this point. He'd been kicking around, but it was like... I mean, he had appeared most recently in that Savage, Savage Land story, story. But he wasn't like he wasn't really a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. He hadn't been like a featured villain for a while. For a long time. Yeah. All the things to come. Yeah, so there's, there's all kinds of cool stuff in this. Like, they yeah. had uh, really cool touches of like... Uh, you know, villains gallery of some yeah. Marvel villains. It's, it's like cr- all the villains. I love it because it has Loki in there because they have yeah. Guardian Saga. Mm-hmm. We have like Hellfire Club and 
Juggernaut and Sabretooth. Yeah. And it was a chance for Jim Lee to draw a lot of characters he had never drawn before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then later, they ha- yeah, they have uh, they have the original X-Men by Jim Lee. And then Lounge by the Pool, which was always a funny one to me. I always loved Jim Lee and, Cyclo- yeah, uh, and Colossus, too. like, posing. You can tell it's the 90s because it's there's a swimsuit thing. Yeah. Also, man, Archangel's got that tiny little Speedo Everyone's on. got tiny little Speedo. Well, I guess Wolverine's got, like, the board shorts on. But look at Colossus got a Speedo. Wolverine's wearing jorts. All right. Wolverine, I, Cyclops has the board shorts on. Yeah. I think Iceman has... No, Iceman does Iceman's not. Iceman's in his costume. Iceman's just in his costume. Yeah. Colossus has a Speedo on, though. Yeah. Colossus, Colossus has, like, has a thong. thong. Colossus is total thong. Yeah, Colossus is like, check yeah. it out. Uh, yeah, there's there's thong action everywhere. <laughs> Rogue looks really depressed, well, yeah. as she, she often well, does. Everyone's got, Who like... this? S- that's uh, Stevie Hunter. That's Kitty Pride's dance teacher. She was and who's it. this? That's Jean is that Gray. supposed that's to be Jean Grey. What is the zappy thing? She's it's like her telekinesis. She's zapping Gambit because he's trying to be a skis ball. The yeah. things to come one was my favorite. Things to come was because I was like, "What is all of this?" Yeah, because you get this. You get new characters you've not seen. before. Right, you get Omega Red, who had, who had no idea who yeah. he was. You have Longshot and Dazzler, who hadn't been seen in a while. You got Brood. Ghost Rider. Yeah, Ghost Brood. Riders in there. Uh, the Celine, I, I believe. think so. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. Um, Belladonna. And... No idea. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. It was so cool. It was great. Um, it was and then stuff. you know we got to talk about the gatefold cover. Oh, you know, like you yes. can't see it if you're reading on Marvel Unlimited, but right. the gatefold cover was incredible. So they were like five covers to X Men number one. Yeah, each one was a different panel. There was also. Uh, well, four of them were a different panel. One was the entirety yeah. as a gatefold. So you didn't know what you were getting when you went to the store. I had the one that's on the cover of our trade here, which was Wolverine, Cyclops, Iceman, which I think was the most common one. Hmm. Um, I remember Magneto was the hardest to get, hmm. I think. I don't remember any of that. But it was awesome. Very excited. Fun, fun, fun. All right, so let's see what you guys thought. I'm sure a lot of you are reading this for the first time, and that's kind of one of the things we aim to do here on the This Week of Marvel Reading Club, introduce you to some of the stories that we know from our youth or beforehand. Uh, we start out with Craig Taylor, who, that's my cousin's name, but I'm assuming this is not my cousin, because I think you would have told me. He goes, Matt Art, depressing to see the X-Men all together fighting as one, considering how fractured they all are now. Hold on, let's, let's, don't say goddamn. No, let's, re- let's rewind that one. Just give me a note what time it was. Uh, 5130. All right, we're going to start out with Craig Taylor, who says, That art, dot, 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 very impressed by that art, depressing to see the X-Men all together fighting as one, considered how fractured they all are now. Yeah. The X-Men are always kind of like up and down like that, though. Although I guess this really did mark uh, one of the last times we'd see them kind of all getting along because yeah the whole period i guess to me this this was unique because during that last part of the 80s they were all separated yeah after the australian outback years but that's a whole nother part and then you have the x factor like yeah. the, the team that went to do x yeah. yeah exactly all kinds of stuff gunhild skilled just gave in and got marvel unlimited so now get started on twin rc gunhild you were not on marvel unlimited before this is very exciting mm-hmm. we're glad to have you on this uh gambit kissing gene without her consent probably isn't a good idea bang yeah Part of the, the Danger Room sequence, <laughs> Gambit kisses Jean Grey, steals a kiss, yeah. and turns out she's a robot, and of she course she up. explodes. Her and Professor X both explode. Yeah. And then Gambit says, Gunhild quotes it here, Gee, sweet mort, I am now dead. There you go. Not a good idea. <laughs> and then says, Who needs telepaths when you have telephones? And has a sweet Jim Lee picture of uh, Professor X using the 
huge clunky cerebro that Jim Lee designed. That was I don't think he designed. It's probably an old one. That was awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. And he gets a phone call in the middle of using cerebro. Yeah. So he doesn't need cerebro. <laughs> and finally, there are way too many panels in this focusing on Cyclops's cro- or not Cyclops, Psylocke's crotch and or butt. It was the nineties. You say too many, I say yeah. not enough. Yeah, but yeah, there was never any shortage in the nineties of uh, Psylocke in her bathing suit costume. Oh yeah, on display everywhere. Is it in this issue where Cyclops is watching? No, I think it's. I think it's a little while ago. I think, uh, I think it's. I think like issue four or five. They have a barbecue because yeah, uh, it's when Bishop comes in, uh, um, and yeah, and Cyclops is like, oh, that was like a little subplot that ran for a little while in the X Men books where Cyclops was totally into Psylocke and Jean Grey. Yeah. He's telepathic and can clearly see what he's doing. She's like, hey, a uh, perv yeah. boyfriend of mine, perv, perv stop checking her out. Yeah. Jerk. It's in there somewhere. I, we almost should have gone to the next couple issues because there's a... There, Stuff after this is great, too. Yeah, well, you know, you guys can keep reading. Yeah, please uh, do. Yeah, go into, some like, more 4, 5, 6, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some great Gambit and Rogue stuff in there, too, plus the first appearance of Omega Red. Oh. All right, well, you look for that and talk to Johnny Timp... I'm not going to talk to Johnny Timpals. So I'll read from Johnny Timpals, Kyle Charles. Jim Lee draws the hell out of the X-Men. Sure did. Uh, Magneto likes to walk around showing off his chest. Yeah, he does. I guess you can when you're the master of magnets. Yeah, there's a great bit near the beginning where Magneto is wearing like this silk robe, just like open shirt, Sebastian Shaw style. Yeah, just just flaunting it. Look, it also reminds me like Jim was channeling Neil Adams. Yeah, a little bit. You know, yeah. like he was like, yeah, I'm gonna draw a big hairy chested yeah. dude. That's the thing for as much uh, like Psylocke crotch butt as we got, and we got a lot. Uh, you would get those like shirtless. Magneto and Wolverine. It was always the hairy guys. It was yeah. always like Magneto and Wolverine just walking around with no shirt on. A lot of Gambit. Gambit would show up in like weird tank tops and stuff a lot too. <laughs> Cyclops would always have board shorts. Yes. Uh, whose questions are these? I'm still in there. I love how Claremont describes each character's power and in great details. Yeah, that's what, that's what I said. I would I would hand this right to somebody who never read X-Men because you right off the bat you know what yeah. they do. What, mag- what made Magneto turn into an emo? Did it have something to do with the new mutants? <laughs> uh, Magneto was always kind of a emo dude. Yeah. He was always very sad. But, yeah, I remember he, he definitely, you know, he, be- he became a good guy for a while in the 80s. He was headmaster of the school. Then Cypher died. Warlock died. And that was when he kind of started drifting away. Um, I think he felt really bad over the loss of those and just some other stuff. And the feeling like he wasn't cut out to be Professor X. So he was pretty he was in pretty low place as this began. Yeah. So I'm guessing most of the acolytes are dead now. I would yeah. assume. The acolytes pretty much every every time the acolytes came into the book there would be like twenty new acolytes and then like eighteen of them would die over like, the course of the Who are the arc. most famous acolytes? Fabian Yeah, Fabian Cortez. And Colossus. Uh got Amelia Vogt, who was Professor X's old girlfriend. She's not in this initial batch. Remember? Yeah, but had uh, Eunice's daughter was in there. Unision, like this Sen- is what I'm saying. Senyaka. This is what Senyaka I'm saying. had an action figure. I had an action figure in 1991. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Anyways, yet again, Magneto is topless. He's showing off his chest a part of his secondary mutations. Look, he was in great shape. Yeah. He was an older dude. An older dude who could yeah. hang and bang with all these yeah. young kids. He was good yeah, to you, go. If I look that good when I'm his age, silk robes all the mm-hmm. time. 
The blue team versus the gold team. This should be awesome. The all-stars versus the underdogs. Yeah, like I said. I like when they, at the beginning of number three, uh, the gold team runs the danger room sequence of what chance they have, and it ends with them just all, like, brutally murdered by the blue team. Like, yeah. Wolverine just cut all their heads off. And, oh, that's terrible. Um, that optic blast that Cyclops gave to Jean kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, there's an, the issue number three fight is pretty nasty yeah, well, at the, first. The, the blue team is all, like, mind control or yep. whatever, and so... Well, the cool thing is, once, when, the more they use their powers, the more the mind control fails. Because uh, a whole subplot of this we totally glossed over is that Magneto finds out that at some point during one of his earlier exploits, Moira McTaggart messed with his head. Uh, he had been he had been reduced to being an infant during like some Defenders comic because um, because of reasons. Yeah, because of reasons. And then he got re-aged, and over the course of that, Moira McTaggart messed with him, and. He now thinks the whole time he was being a good guy was just because Moira McTaggart, like, screwed up his head. So he has her repeat the procedure on all the blue team, and that's why they're all mm. mind-controlled, but it fades super quickly as they use their powers. <laughs> I draw the line at, at murder, Wolverine. I bet those Hellfire Club henchmen wish Logan thought that way back then. We don't know yeah, what happened to hey, those guys. Look, I'm going to say this. They were going after Wolverine, like, yeah. or Wolverine was attacked by the, the big dude, Leland? Leland. Yeah, Harry Leland. Harry Leland. He fell through. Boom. Then the Hellfire Club goons go with yeah. guns to attack him. Yeah. He was clearly just defending himself. That's not murder. We, we also never saw what happened to those Hellfire Club. He, he murdered them. I mean, we, I mean, uh, to this day, to this day, I am not. I I maintain I don't know. Wolverine Cyclops just said he took care of them. Yeah, he, he killed did, them he, with his knives. He, he dealt with them. His finger knives. We don't need to see them anymore. Snick, snick. Even after being a d bag during this whole story, you can't help but feel sorry for Magneto. Seriously, yeah, absolutely. He's, he gets he's got used. A point. He does. Yeah, Fabian Cortez does the big heel turn at the yeah. end of this. Oh, uh, Fabian Cortez, I felt like always had a lot of potential. Totally. But. uh... He's know. no Trevor Fitzroy, though. Let's no be honest. Oh man, just everyone in the '90s, just like it sounds like it's just a country club full of like rich villains. We're all villains from '80s movies or something. I love it's fantastic. It. None of them use code names. They all have their real. I'm Trevor Fitzroy. Villains. I'm Fabian Cortez. I'm Sebastian Shaw. I'm Shinobi Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it. It was like <laughs> Sebastian Shaw was the classic like full name, but then you got yeah, you had Trevor Fitzroy, Fabian Cortez, and it's like Sebastian Shaw sounds a little too tough. Let's introduce his son, Shinobi Shaw. <laughs> Awesome. And those were all the upstarts. Sienna Blaze yes. was also in that group. Graydon Creed. Graydon Creed! None of them had normal names. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Uh, what a way to end an epic run on the X-Men. Claremont is truly a master of drama, and Jim Lee art is off the hook. So what happened to the X-Men and Magneto after this? Well, another 20 years of comics Yeah, it just is what happened. Stuff gets crazier. Yeah. Also, were Kitty and Kurt in England at this time? Yes, they were in Excalibur. Yeah. Excalibur was the only book that was untouched by Mute Genesis. It just kept trucking along. Yeah, that's true. They didn't get any sort of... They were, they were always weird because they were always on like the periphery of the X-Men And they family. always did super strange stories. Yeah, well, because if you think about it, like they weren't part of Extinction Agenda. They weren't part of Executioner's Song. It wasn't until Fatal Attract uh, Fatal Attractions they got like looped back in. Yeah. So they were they were off doing their own thing. Like in between Inferno and Fatal Attractions, Excalibur's basically off to the side. Fighting werewolves. Fight, fighting werewolves and going on the eighty two part cross time caper. Yes. Good stuff. Alright. 
Penal Up Cat tweets, nothing like a training session to introduce everyone to new readers. Exactly. Uh, Wolverine is willing to forgive Magneto's past, but he can't forgive Scott today. Yeah. He's been through a lot. There's been 20 a lot. years. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that span of time, I mean, it's changed. But yeah, it's, it's a fair point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Wol- so earlier, Wolverine says that everyone, including Magneto, has darkness in their past that shouldn't define them. Now he says that Magneto saying he means no harm means nothing because of who he is. What the hell? Well, there's a difference between saying his darkness shouldn't define him and saying, yeah, sure, we trust you implicitly that you're not going to do anything wrong. Yeah. Like, he's willing to give him a chance, but he's not willing to say, like, do whatever you want. Exactly. Like, just, we'll turn our backs. Uh, of Cat says, Jim Lee's layouts get pretty complex in places, but they're always readable. Yep. Yeah, he's pretty He's pretty good. I wish he had yeah. stayed in the comics. And yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, it's too Never bad he's, got off he's to gone. Disappeared. Well, oh, well. Ether. And he's a very nice man. Too. Very nice man. Very short man. Yeah. Very powerful, though. Yes. Uh, despite the 90s hair and fashion choices, the art holds up very well, though I'd say that Lee, like Byrne, has gotten even better. So Lee, like Byrne, has gotten even better. Yeah, we always mm. continue to improve. But I I still hold this up as, like, my favorite stuff he ever did. Yeah, I mean, he just, you know, he, he developed many new tricks and techniques and yeah, ideas. certainly. And his, he honed his craft. I mean, at, at this point, he was probably 25, 26. Oh, yeah, he was young. So, yeah. It's crazier, actually, if you look at when he started on X-Men mm. to this point. Like, he got, over the course of, like, two or three years, got insanely good yeah um there was a huge huge learning curve yep uh another one he says what is all that crap fury is wearing did someone forget to tell him about casual fridays look at all those pouches baby so it was the nine it was 1991 pouches. 1991 a lot of pouches to carry his knives and his guns and his explosives yeah, he had to be prepared for anything yeah look fury i think that's the only time he wore that outfit yeah I don't, I don't recall ever seeing him in that outfit again. Yeah. All right. Uh, issue three. Proudly presenting Chris Claremont's last issue. What was what was the story with uh, with that? Was the, Is there some sort of story? I don't think there was. I mean, there's always rumors and speculation. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of... There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes at Marvel at the time. The image guys, the guys who would become the image guys were rising to prominence. prominence. Artists were getting a lot more power. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. We should we should we should ask Tom or somebody yeah. who knew what was going on. But I mean, I always heard that it was kind of they wanted to emphasize guys like like Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane and some of the older guard writers. Right, weren't pushed out the door necessarily, but not we're not uh, we're not given the spotlight as much as they had been in years prior. That's fair. Uh, Chris Claremont has gotten a wordy rep, but I don't know if issues one and two are that much more verbose than the Dark Phoenix saga. No. Eh. There, there are times here where it's yeah, there's sure. a lot of word balloons. But like we talked about when we talked about Dark Phoenix Saga, there's negatives and positives to that. If yeah. you're a new reader, like I was and like Ryan was, you love the fact that there were a million word balloons because you learned so much. Yeah, like this got, was like a crash course yeah, in X-Men. Exactly. Like the, the, you got to know everything about the X-Men within one issue. So yeah. and Plus, like you were paying like, how much did this probably? It was a dollar. A dollar. You pay a dollar for this, get this many words. I was like, great. Yeah. Value. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
Penelope Katz says, I think his style works better when he's got quieter, introspective scenes with the characters. Here it's all action and fights. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, there's there's still some good moments. Yeah. You also got Jim moments. Lee drawing, so you don't want to draw, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't want him drawing just all scenes of people sitting around talking. Yeah, I want that would be crazy. I want there's that one scene of. Psylocke doing oh, yeah. like like the <laughs> like, punching up and down at the same like time. Calisthenics pose. Yeah, and Wolverine has got like robots draped yep. all over him as he's slicing through things. Yeah. I want that for fifty thousand pages. Absolutely. Give me that. Yeah. Uh, and then when they fight the acolytes in Genosha, that was pretty badass too. Yeah. Psylocke does like the split and jump kick. Psylocke got all the best action scenes in this. She even says something there. She's talking about how like she uh She's becoming an action junkie because uh, Wolverine had told her that. Yeah. He says, overall, this reminds me of why I drifted away from the X-Men at the time. I prefer Ooh. the 80s stuff, as much character drama as action. There's definitely a shift in the 90s. I, I, I do get that. Uh, Claremont was all about a lot of the soap opera element, which didn't go away in the 90s. But he was definitely about you know building it all in one book, doing a lot of character work. As the 90s went on, he still got all that, but there was a lot more emphasis on the mystery on the action, on the powers. Um, so it was a shift. I think it was definitely a, a generational thing. Um, but with everything, it's all cyclical. And of course, we've now kind of found a nice balance between the two. Yeah. Uh, he says, here we never see them out of costume, never see them relaxing. Those quieter moments are what I love. Like but, we said, you get like the next issue. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The, literally the next issue. They're playing basketball, yep. they're hanging out. They're recuperating from yeah. things. They're not in costume. Yeah. They're dealing with problems and those big X-Men dramatic moments. It's friggin' uh, Gambit and Rogue on a you know, a motorcycle, all yeah. kinds of stuff. I mean Yeah, this is just big a three three issue big action arc out the gate to kinda of launch the title and also yeah. for Claremont to, you know, do his last hurrah. But then it goes right yeah, it goes right into a downtime issue. Totally. X Men are always gonna play softball at some point. Yeah. And he says, he finally says, although, uh, also, I'm a huge apologist for Claremont, but even I think issue three <laughs> reads like he was paid by the world. Man, you gotta imagine, this is his last X-Men issue after 15 years. He probably had a lot to say. Yeah. Want, a lot he wanted to get out before he, uh, before he took off. So, Coats. I don't blame him. Ref Gemlin, who we just saw at New York Comic Con this yeah. past weekend. Totally missed out on Twim URC this time around. The awesomeness of NYCC 2013 took over. Perhaps I'll squeeze it in on the flight home. I assume he did not. Because that's the last we hear from Mr. Nolan. Susan Cotton, what? No Kitty Pride, no Nightcrawler, no sweat socks, no sweatband and tube socks on Archangel? Longing for a simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, everyone looks so muscular. Yeah, people worked out in the 90s. Like I crazy. Mean, they, yeah, they were they were pretty fit. Yeah. So, wordiness is Mr. Claremont's mutant power, right? And I like words. Oh. He knew what he was doing. Quarter of a century. Mr. Claremont, you influenced the X-Men more than any other creator, and for the better, I think. I don't think there's any denying that. I mean, there's been influential writers since. There's been Morrison. There's been Whedon. There's been everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, to some extent, everyone's kind of... It's the same way everyone on Fantastic Four, to some degree, is playing in Stan and Jack's sandbox. Claremont really was the guy on X-Men. Yeah. 15 years is a long time. And, yeah. you know, he did all the classics. Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past. All the stuff people always come back to. They always say every X-Men writer at some point is going to write a Magneto story, at some point is going to write a Sentinel story, and probably at some point is going to write some sort of Phoenix story, and it's usually owing to the stuff that Claremont did. Too true. Case. Final one from Twimmy RC this week is the Tech Lord. He says, wow, Chris is wordy. Even Chris. so, I felt like I missed pages in here. Chris certainly knows and conveys his characters well. Man was the master, for a reason. Yeah. And that's all we got on this week. 
Very good uh, little tight little reading club there. Appreciate yeah. you guys' contributions. So now we've got one reading club left for the month of October, uh, and we are still celebrating the 15th anniversary of the X-Men. It's Ryan's pick, and it's also going to take place on Halloween. Spooktacular! Yeah. Uh, we're going to go with Inferno. The perfect X-Men story for Halloween. Yeah, it's good. It's got some good Mark Silvestri art in Absolutely. there. Absolutely. You got uh, demonic mailboxes. Yep. Uh, Goblin Queen. Goblin Queen. You it's got some... Sinister. Uh, it's going to be confusing to many of you, and I'm looking forward yeah. to us explaining it. Yeah, if you thought this was wordy and complex, Ooh, just you know So we got to figure out exactly how we're going to handle Inferno, because Inferno has a lot of tie-ins, but we'll... We'll figure out... We should ask the trades, what what do they see are the core issues, and then go from there. Yes, we will determine it, and then we will post those uh, around the time this episode comes out, so you guys will be able to see what makes the most sense. Yeah. But it's great stuff. Um, Yeah, thanks for everybody who listened and tweeted and commented and all that good stuff. We'll be back with another episode next week. This is Marvel, your universe. Shabang!